When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 222 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm joined by Jill. Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. 222 is very soothing. I like that. <laughs> nice, even numbers nice all and, in a row. Yes, it's beautiful. Nice to look at. Um, no, I'm doing great. Uh, as everyone knows, we're, you know, I'm not going to talk about Cleveland things because this is going to come out until Monday, and we're recording this on Thursday, and a lot could change over the weekend, so never mind. Tonight is the oh. Cleveland Browns draft, and also the Cavs had a very I was like, what are, Okay, night. I was like, where are you? Oh, I see. Yeah. Right, because by the time Monday comes around, who knows? Right, things when could is, happen. When is the next Is it Friday? Friday, yeah. So there's games on Friday and potentially one on Sunday, so I don't want to... Cool. Do anything to, okay. But I'll say is if you watch basketball, LeBron James was fun last night. At Man, Rick that was just... It's crazy. Um, what... You, you did something cool today. I did. So I um, got to interview a um, woman named Allison Green. She maintains a advice website blog called Ask a Manager that I've been reading for years. I actually use them for advice to get my job here at Overdrive. <laughs> nice. Both the first job I started with and then when I changed teams, I used them for advice um, for resume writing and cover letter and all that stuff. So she has this huge following of people who follow her blog um, for writing advice. And she has a new book out um, called Ask a Manager. But it's specifically about conversations and communication within the workplace. Um, Just sort of how to have those maybe sometimes difficult conversations with your coworkers or with your manager um, and all of that stuff. So I uh, got to interview her. Totally fangirled. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so if you don't read her blog, you totally should because it's amazing. And she has some wonky stories over the years, which we talk a little bit about specifically. Um, yeah, so it was really fun. You, and I don't know if you talk about this because I haven't got to hear the interview yet, but you sort of connected with her in the past too, right? Correct. So we don't actually go too much in detail, but yes, um, for anonymity's sake. But yes, I am in the right. the comments of the... Um, I read her blog daily. She has multiple posts a day. And I'm, and I'm often in the comments um, under an anonymous name. And I've in, I've emailed with her in the past. So when I reached out to her and I, I told her who she, I was, um, she knew exactly who I was. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. I, I didn't <laughs> expect you to be like, here's exactly what we talked about. And here's my name. And here's how you can find me. Um you know, if people want to find us, they can do that multiple ways anyway. They don't need to find you on her thing. So, um, yeah, if you want to connect with the two of us, if you want book recommendations, if you want to see more about us, blah, 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 uh, go to professionalbooknerds.com, our shiny new website. We've had lots of people go there over the past uh, week or two. We have. And actually, I just um, said something to Adam that we have a poll up there and you guys are voting on the poll which is very helpful because sometimes the poll currently is what we should talk about next genre specific and mm-hmm. so um we sometimes need help knowing what you guys want to hear yeah. so go vote on the poll if you haven't yet yeah also uh you can find us on twitter and instagram at pro book nerds and you can uh, email us at professional book nerds 
at overdrive.com. That's all on the website if you want to go take a look. Uh, I've been trying over the past week to use our Instagram stories more because mm-hmm. we did one when we launched the site and it got a bunch of people interacting with it. Um, so I've been trying. I did one. Everyone who listens for a while knows that I'm a huge Alice in Wonderland and Dr. Seuss fan. And I happen to have little tiny books of both of them on my desk. And so I took a picture of both and I was like, where do you think you would rather go? Wonderland or Whoville? And I did one of the Instagram polls and Whoville won. I was surprised. I mean, I, people I, are, what? Who wants to go to Whoville? I, was, I actually had a few people at the office come over there like, I am shook by the results right now. Yeah, I know. Mad Tea Party in Wonderland all the way. It was close. It was like 55, 45, like the percentages. But yeah, no. I was surprised. No. I would go to either. But no. yeah, the Mad- I feel like the Mad Hatter's Tea Party is the right, the right answer. So, um, okay, I think that's everything, right? Yeah, that's everything. Okay, cool. Happy Monday, guys! I'm excited to listen to this interview uh, that that Jill did on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. <laughs> and welcome to this week's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. This is Jill, and today I am joined by Allison Green, author of the wildly successful advice blog, Ask a Manager, where she fields questions about job interviews, cover letters, and resumes, along with some more interesting topics, like how to deal with an employee putting magic curses on her coworkers, and yes, that is a real letter. Um, her new book, Ask a Manager, How to Navigate Clueless Colleagues, Lunch-Stealing Bosses, and the Rest of Your Life at Work is out May 1st. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me. So can you start by giving our listeners an introduction to both your book and your blog? Yes. So Ask a Manager is a workplace advice column where people write in with all sorts of questions that they might have about dealing with their coworkers, their managers, or if they are a manager themselves, maybe their employees. And it can cover everything from the real basics, like what do I put in my resume or how do I ask for a raise, to the stuff that I think is more interesting and is sort of has become over the years kind of the bread and butter of the site, which is the weirder, more nuanced stuff that there aren't a lot of resources to help out with. So things like um, what do I do if my boss is stealing my lunch or my coworker is humming all day long and I sit two feet away from him and I'm losing my mind, what do I do? Um, so, so those things that people can sound like maybe it's not going to be a huge problem, but when you're living it all day at work can be really tricky or unpleasant. Um, so that's, that's Ask a Manager. I've been doing that for close to 11 years at this point. And the book came directly out of the experience that I've had writing Ask a Manager because the theme that I've seen over and over in the letters that I get is that when people need to have a tough conversation, they often hesitate to do it or they don't do it at all because they don't know what to say. And I've also seen that when I give them some specific language to use, this conversation that originally felt like it was going to be this very awkward or unpleasant thing suddenly feels more possible. I think a lot of the time it's because the version that they imagined in their head was very aggressive or adversarial. And when they get wording that they can see will not destroy the relationship, it's a relief. And they can actually imagine themselves saying it. So the idea with the book was to take on 200 difficult conversations that you might need to have at some point during your career and give you the wording to do it. And it focuses in particular on the tricky, kind of cringy conversations that people dread the most. So things like, 
what to say if you're allergic to your boss's perfume or what to say if you made a pretty serious mistake at work or, or if you lost your cool and you snapped at a coworker. So the conversations that you might really agonize over and even be tempted to not have it all because you just aren't quite sure how to approach it. So um, you mentioned how obviously the book came out of um, your advice column. Did you approach them or did your publisher approach you? Uh, my agent approached me initially. New York Magazine had run a profile of the website Ask a Manager in um, spring or summer of 2016. And after that came out, I got approached by a bunch of agents and publishers to write a book. And I thought, that sounds like an awful lot of work. <laughs> I'm not sure that I want to do that. Uh, but the more that I thought about it, the more I thought, oh, yeah, and you know, the other thing was I wasn't sure what I could add that I wasn't already doing with the website. You know, I didn't want right. to do a book that was just sort of like the website in book form. I wanted it to be something different. And the thing that I realized as I was thinking about it is that it's this piece that I get so much positive feedback from people on and that they seem really hungry to get more of, this piece of like, how do I say this thing? Give me a script to have this tough conversation. And so that's where I thought the book could add something new and different. I, I will say as a longtime reader of your um your column, that does seem to be a lot of the answers that you give is usually just talk to the other person. <laughs> but it does help yeah. having those scripts because you really just don't know how to approach certain topics. And um so having an entire book worth of conversations and having, you know, read in advance copy, it's really helpful um to have those conversations. Yeah, I think a lot of times when people write in, somewhere in their heads they know there's not really an answer here other than you have to talk to the person. Mm -hmm. But the part they don't know is, like, what does that look like and what do they say and how do they open that conversation and what if it makes it unbearably awkward? What do they do about that afterward? And that's the – I think that's the real question that people are asking, even if it's not the literal question in their email to me. Right. So how did you get into the advice column business? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I was a manager at a nonprofit here in Washington, D.C., and I was seeing all the time people making decisions for themselves in their career, both in terms of our employees but also job applicants who I was interacting with. I was seeing them make choices that where I felt like, you know, if they understood how their manager was thinking or how the hiring manager or interviewer they were dealing with was thinking, they would handle this differently. And I felt like the longer that I spent managing, the more understanding I had of of my managers from earlier in my career and how their perspective might have been different from mine. And I thought if people had a place where they could go where they could just talk to someone who is a manager who could look at their situation and say, well, here's how I think this is probably coming across to your manager, and here's what she might want to see from you in this situation, that maybe that would be helpful. But I also thought no one would read it, <laughs> and <laughs> I thought I would write it just kind of for, like, the pure joy for myself. I just thought it would be a fun, fulfilling thing to do, and I figured I would do it for a few months and get it out of my system, and maybe my mom would read it, and, <laughs> and, and that would be the end of it. And what I found to my enormous surprise was that that there's a real hunger out there, I think, for a place where people can go and ask this more nuanced stuff. I mean, there's a million places online and in books where you can get the basics that have been covered mm -hmm. by lots of different people in lots of different ways. Here's what a resume looks like. Here's how to write a cover letter. But there's, I don't know if there's anywhere else that people can go when, um, 
you know, you have to interview a job candidate and you just found out that morning that it's someone who you used to date or, or these right. very specific situations that people bring to me. Well, I think it's because it's coming from real people and they're real questions and not ones that are just maybe written as kind of general, like made up as sort of a general guideline. Like you, these are real people writing into you. Yeah. And I do get the more typical questions, too. How do I write a cover letter? Um, and, and those are really important and valuable, and I, I hope that's a useful part of the site to people, too. But I think the the thing maybe, I don't know, this is just a theory, but I think maybe <laughs> the thing that has really worked for people about the site is that, yeah, there's that useful stuff about how do you write a cover letter. But when you get into, like, the real, more interesting, more specific dilemmas that people write in with, it keeps it all more entertaining. And so I think it's a, a more fun read for people than it might be if it were just focusing on the classic workplace stuff. And I think the comment section probably helps too, because, you know, you get, you know, you have, give your answers and sometimes people disagree with you um, in the comments or offering a different perspective on a topic, which is always so interesting to me because, you know, we all live in our little bubble of what our work is like, whether it's our specific job or our field. And I found it beneficial to read about the experiences of people in different countries or in different fields and how their work quote-unquote normal is yes absolutely I love the comments section I mean first of all it's a reasonably civilized place which is not always the case with online comment sections so that's delightful to have that be part of the site but yeah the there's such a diversity of perspectives there and there have been a lot of times when I've given an answer and I felt very confident about it I thought like Mm -hmm. everyone will agree with this this is definitely the way that the work world works and then I've had people weighing in from different industries saying that would never fly here or this thing that you're saying isn't okay is actually totally fine in our industry and that's been really educational. I think it's made my advice giving abilities a lot stronger um, because I'm able to incorporate those perspectives when I hear them. There are certain fields that have very specific cultures all their own that you would never know about them if you didn't work there. Law is one of them. They have really bizarre uh, conventions around applying for jobs, for example. Right. Academia is another one. I feel like almost every answer that I give should have a, a caveat that whatever I'm saying probably does not apply in academia. Um, so how, you I mean, you get, how many letters do you get in a day, just on average? Uh, 60 to 75 a day. And how do you decide what to focus on on the website? I always wish I had a better answer to this. <laughs> I feel like I should have some really highly organized system for how I sift through them, and I don't. Um, that's probably something I should, <laughs> should figure okay. out at some point 10 years into this. Um, I, it's a variety of things. Some of it is just what moves me to write on that particular day, what is inspiring me to sit down and write an answer, what feels useful, what have I not written about before. I mean, there's certain questions that I get over and over and over again, how to follow up on a job application, for instance. No one wants to read about that every day. If I printed all the letters that I got in that, there would be one a day. Um, So some of it is frequency. Some of it is do I think this is going to be useful and interesting to a wide range of people? Sometimes it's not going to be useful to anyone except the letter writer because it's such a specific situation, but it's so fascinating that I think even if it's, it's utility is just for that one person, maybe it'll be really interesting to everyone else. Um, or maybe there's principles from it that people can draw out and extrapolate to a different situation. I think when you write an advice column, there's 
like some built-in guilt maybe <laughs> about how to field all the questions that you get. And I know commenters that ask a manager before have asked, like, do you answer them in the order that you receive them in? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is no. There, there's so many factors, I think, that go into putting out something that's interesting and engaging for people to read that you can't do it just based on the order of your cue. Um, so as a, I always, like, as a longtime reader, I know you have a schedule for when you put letters out and a, um, or new posts or whatever, you know, and in the morning I know I can check in and there's like that four to five question thing. And then like around 11, there's like a standalone and then around like two o'clock there's usually another one. And it's always interesting to me how, when I can wake up and I'm getting my coffee and I'm logging on to see what the questions are and already the call, like the comments are up to like 800 or something because one of those questions <laughs> is dominating the comment section. And you always seem like you're surprised by which one that is. Like you had in your mind. <laughs> you're like, I don't know, I yeah. expected this other one to be the focus. And then everyone kind of gravitates to this question. Yeah, sometimes I am really surprised. I think I used to be better. Maybe when the site had a smaller comment community, mm-hmm. it was easier to predict what right. would get the most attention. But yeah, sometimes I'm surprised by it. There's some that I know will generate discussion. Anything that's about food at work right. generates a ton of discussion, whether it's, um, you know, our coworker never contributes anything to the potluck except for a bag of Doritos, but <laughs> but takes a huge amount of food home with him, or, um, you know, my coworker is constantly commenting on everything that I eat, mm-hmm. and it's really annoying. Anything that has to do with food, people have a lot of opinions on. Um, let's see, what else? Things about clothes and yes. dress code, I think, will always generate a lot of discussion. Because again, it's it's personal. It's not. It doesn't require any sort of specialized knowledge as a manager, for instance, to have an opinion on food issues or clothing issues. Um, you know, the one that has surprised me the most, the topic that seems to generate a ton of discussion that I didn't see coming, is anything that has to do with pranks or practical jokes. Yep. I didn't know how polarizing that topic was, but there are people who feel very passionately that there should never be a prank or a practical joke at work, and they're outraged if one has occurred. Um, and there are people who are a bit more laid back about it, and the two sides are locked in apparently an ongoing battle. That is a very polarizing one. I would say dogs in the workplace is also a very polarizing one. Yes. Dogs in the workplace and kids in the workplace. And kids in the workplace, yes. Yeah. So as you um, said a couple of minutes ago, you've been doing this for 10 years. And I have to wonder, how did you find time to write the book between managing the site and also, you know, having a consulting business? Like, where do you find time? I have also wondered the answer to that. (laughs) Um, I told my husband the other day that writing the book was such a busy and stressful period of time for me that I think I've actually blocked it out the way someone (laughs) might block out some of the worst details of childbirth, maybe. Um, (laughs) I remember very little of it. Uh, I did take time off from most of my consulting work when I was doing that. So I had a big chunk of time freed up that normally was filled with other work. Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) So... um... I actually have um, some questions from other friends of mine who are big fans of your of your website as well. So um, my one friend wanted to know is how do you kind of balance your answers in terms of like maintaining the status quo of 
professional norms, which maybe run counter to your own personal feelings about a topic? Oh, I love that question. That is something that I really hope people pick up from the way I write about some of this stuff. Because ultimately, I think the when the, when the question is really about how do I get the outcome that I most want for myself, it's not about how should the working world operate in theory. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's about how does it operate. So I think you've got to do two things when you're answering a question where those two things can be in conflict. You've got to talk about the reality of it. Um, you know, I had a question the other day about nose rings at work. I happen to think that you should be able to have piercings at work and it's no big deal. At the same time, that is not the way many businesses run. The reality of it is that it, it, that's not going to be okay in, in many organizations. And so... The fact that I think you should be able to wear a nose ring at work isn't all that relevant. So what that person needs to know is, here's the reality that they're dealing with. They're going to run into to employers where it's not okay. I can slip in into that discussion and mention mm-hmm. that I think those norms are silly, but we still need to deal with the norms that we actually have in front of us. And so I think the, I think you can address both of those. But I think sometimes where I've seen other people go wrong or what I would consider to be going wrong in advising on those sorts of things is is they root their answers in a desire to have the world operate the way they want it to operate. And I mean, I have that desire too, for sure. For right. sure. Um, but, but you've really got to ground it in how is this likely to play out realistically? Okay. Do you have, uh, I'm going to do this as a two-part, do you have a favorite post of yours? And then do you have a post that just stands out the most out of all of them, whether it's like a favorite or not. Yeah. Gosh, they might be the same. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> I didn't know. I figured I would give you the option if there's two. One of my favorites, actually, you mentioned in the intro to the show, which is that <laughs> this was years ago. I had someone write in and say that they had an employee who was telling other coworkers that she was casting magical curses on them. And she was saying it in a threatening way, and they believed her. And they were very upset about it. And then to make the situation worse, one of them got really sick right after this happened and missed like a week of work. And so it, it kind of reinforced like, oh, maybe she really is casting magical mm-hmm. curses on us. And the manager writing in was like, how, where do I even begin to tackle this? <laughs> and I love that letter because it's so, <laughs> I mean, it's just funny. It's entertaining. It's a interesting situation to contemplate. It's novel. It's not the kind of thing that normally comes up. But also, it's, it's a real managerial question. How do you handle that? Right. And where I ended up with it was you handle it the way you would handle any other threat that someone was making at work. It doesn't matter if you think the threat is a real one or not. It's still not okay to go around threatening your coworkers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, and, and I know that, um, this comes up a lot in sometimes in the comments, depending on, on the question you get. And I have a feeling there might be people listening to this interview who are going to be like, that question was a fake. And I know it's not. And, you know, but how do you deal with questions where you think they might be trolling you? Yeah. So I have definitely had questions that just set off alarm bells for me where I thought there's just no way this is real. And when I think that, I don't answer them. Okay. And then I feel bad about it because I feel like, oh, my gosh, what if this person does have this ridiculous sounding problem and they're coming to someone for help and I'm just dismissing them as, as not fake but or as fake. Uh, but there have been questions that I've answered where I haven't doubted the veracity at all. 
and commenters have said, this can't be real. And I don't know. I mean, I assume that every advice columnist does get trolled every now and then. It would be really arrogant for me to think, oh, that could never happen to me. So I'm sure it's happened. But I will say that sometimes when people say, oh, I don't think this could be real, then other people in the comments chime in and say, oh, actually, something really similar has happened to me. Mm -hmm. So I think that people's barometer for, I mean, we all calculate our, have our barometers calibrated differently on that question, I guess. But I think some people are very quick to assume that if something sounds outlandish, it can't have happened, when in reality, really crazy, outrageous things happen at work all the time. What's the mistake people seem to make the most in the workforce, do you think? Certainly a big one is not speaking up when they're unhappy about that. And I'm not saying that just to tie it into my book. No, that's, that's a good answer. <laughs> I, I think it's really true. And I, people, it, it comes out, it manifests in all kinds of different ways. People are very unhappy with some aspect of their job or the way that they're being managed or something in the culture. And they either have no idea how to address it or they think, well, even if I did address it, nothing's likely to change. So I'm just not going to say anything. And they stay quiet and the problem festers and they become more and more unhappy and they end up miserable. And sometimes they end up leaving a job that they otherwise could have liked had they had the conversation. So that's a huge one. And it's a theme throughout all of my letters. The other one I would mention, if I can give you a second one, of course. is is on the boss side of mm -hmm. things, which is... Actually, in some ways, the manager, it's a, it's the same version of, of what I just said, but it's with a manager-specific spin on it, which is where managers are unhappy with someone's work or they have a concern about someone's performance and they don't say anything because they don't want to seem petty or they want to be nice to the person or it just feels kind of awkward and unpleasant to have a difficult conversation about someone's performance. And so they don't say anything. And the problem is allowed to continue. And the terrible irony of this is that usually they're doing it in an attempt to be nice. They think they're being nicer by not saying anything. But in fact, it's a real unkindness to the person because the person doesn't get the benefit of getting that feedback from the manager. They don't have the opportunity to course correct what they're doing. And often the problem gets so severe that finally the manager does speak up. And at that point, it's a much bigger problem than if they had said something much earlier on. So I'm going to switch gears slightly. Um, those familiar with your website know that you are a big reader and every week on the weekend you post a recommendation for a book. So just out of curiosity, how many books would you say you read in a year? I probably read close to one a week. Okay. Maybe a little less than one a week. And, you know, I we work for a library company. Were you a big library user when you were little? Huge. I moved around a lot when I was younger, and always the very first thing that I did in a new place was to go and get my library card. I love libraries. Um, yeah, my whole family are big readers and big library users. And I'm, I've always been so thrilled that it seems like Ask a Manager has a disproportionate number of readers, or at least commenters, who are librarians. And I've always felt like that was a thing to be proud of. That is, that is accurate. That comes up a lot. Yes, there are a lot of librarians and, and library employees in the comment section, I have noticed, which is kind of fun um, because that's something I can speak. Like the, the library experience is, as a, an employee, that feels 
it's very interesting and different. And it's one of those ones that has nuances that I think sometimes in the comments, people are like, well, in the library, <laughs> like, this would happen. Yeah. Yeah. There are really interesting things about that are, seem to be library specific. When we were talking earlier about sometimes finding that a field has its own norms or things that are just different there. Libraries are such a good example of that. One thing that I always notice is that you all have completely different rules around how to deal with disruptive patrons. Mm -hmm. Some of the advice that works perfectly in most offices just doesn't apply in the world of libraries, right? Yeah, that's true. So at the end of every interview, we do something we call the nerd nine, which are nine sort of lighthearted questions. Don't put too much thought into any of them. Okay. Okay. All right. What is the last book you finished reading? Cringeworthy by Melissa Dahl. It actually just came out. I had an advanced copy of it. It's all about awkwardness and why we're awkward and why we shouldn't feel so weird about it. And as a student of awkwardness, I adored it. <laughs> what is your favorite book of all time? Oh, Emma, Jane Austen. Your favorite place to read? Bed, without question. <laughs> what is one place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Oh, said not to think too hard, and I am thinking hard. Japan. Okay. Your favorite holiday? Uh, <laughs> what is my favorite holiday? I'm Jewish, but I really like Christmas. I feel like I'm setting Judaism back by saying that. <laughs> um, I married someone who celebrates Christmas, and I feel like I'm getting to be part of the Christmas rituals for the first time in my life, and I have to say they're very cozy and fun. <laughs> They are indeed. Cats or dogs? Oh, I know the answer to this. But for everybody else, cats or dogs? <laughs> cats. Coffee or tea? Tea. Uh, your favorite food? Tacos. And if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Ooh, that's very interesting. I'm going to say my dad, who died, and I would be very excited to have dinner with him again. Finally, what do you hope readers take away from reading your book, Ask a Manager? Oh, gosh, that speaking up so often will get you the outcomes that you want, or at least closer to the outcomes that you want, and that it really, I can't make promises across the board, but most of the time, it's not going to be as scary or as awkward or as unpleasant as you think that it will be. Most of the time, you'll be very glad that you did it. That's perfect. Allison, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you. This was very fun. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.